Welcome to episode 61. Today's guest is Sarah Armstrong from California. She is a good divorce proponent and author of The Mom's Guide to a Good Divorce. What to think through when children are involved. She defines a good divorce as the one that puts children first and offers a wealth of information about the benefits of good divorce on children. There were numerous struggles as Sarah and her ex-husband worked together to create a loving, two-home-loving living environment for Grace. Holidays, birthdays, and demands of work, both on Sarah and her ex-husband, were challenging. Figuring out the logistics, financials, report cards, and day-to-day and a long-term plan for Grace all presented challenges and opportunities for successful parenting. Thank you for reviewing, downloading, subscribing to this podcast i appreciate each and every one of you now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with a friend especially if you have someone going through divorce this is a good one to listen to enjoy this episode with sarah How would you like to master your mind to transform your life, overcome anxiety, trauma, doubt, and suffering, to win daily and enjoy a life of confidence, peace, and freedom? This is your unique opportunity to work directly one-on-one with me in a breakthrough coaching. If you are interested, you can check out the link below and schedule your 45-minute discovery session to see if we are a fit. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. And welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest comes to us from California. Her name is Sarah Armstrong. Sarah is a good divorce proponent and author of The Mom's Guide to Good Divorce. What to think through when children are involved. She defines a good divorce as one that puts the children first and offers a wealth of information about the benefits of a good divorce on children. Sarah's daughter Grace was seven when Sarah and her husband divorced. Now Grace is a freshman in college. For Sarah, that is a success story. Welcome, Sarah. It is a pleasure to have you. Marina, great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So please share with us your story, how you became a single parent, and what are some of the things you struggled with? Uh, Well, I think to start, you know, it's interesting. First of all, I never decided to write a book, and, and obviously um, going through this process led me to that. But I, I like to start when I um, have these discussions to, to just uh, clarify something. So just for the record, I'm actually not an advocate for divorce. In an ideal world, couples that get married would happily stay married for the long term. You know, that's always the goal. Unfortunately, that isn't always the case. And I always thought that would be the case for me, that I'd have a, a long marriage. And and you know, divorce these days is more common than ever. So um, there's three things that I've reflected on as I was going through my divorce. Um, You know, first of all, no one gets married to get divorced, right? And the second is no one gets divorced for positive reasons. 
but children who do not get to make the decision of whether their parents divorce are the ones that are most significantly impacted by that decision. So when my situation presented itself where my ex-husband and I decided that we were going to get a divorce, I really wanted to approach it in a very specific way because of my daughter or our daughter, Grace. And, you know, it was, so it was a, it was a conscious process we went through to figure out how we could keep her front and center and all the discussions and decisions we were making about our divorce. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the interesting thing is over the years since my divorce, I've had a number of friends that have come to me and asked me to help them, you know, with the, the approach and the, the process that we went through. And I, I joke that, you know, the, the girl who never ever thought she would get a divorce and become a poster child for a good divorce. <laughs> and so after helping all my girlfriends through their challenging times in life, they really encouraged me to write down this guidance and um, that I was providing them. And so it was funny, Irina, I was at a, and first of all, I don't consider myself a writer. I, I mean, I do business writing bullet points, those things, but I never had had a goal of writing books. So uh, I was actually at a business dinner in Mexico City and I was sitting next to a good friend and colleague of mine. And he looked at me and he said, Sarah, you're so happy. And I said, well, yeah, I'm really happy. And he said, but you're divorced. I said, well, I said, well, Salman, getting a divorce is not a death sentence. Right. My ex-husband and I decided to no longer be married to each other. And I explained to him that a number of my friends had been encouraging me to write a book to help other women and other moms. And he said, you really should do that. So the next day I got on my flight Oh, um, as I was flying out of Mexico City and I opened up my laptop and I wrote the first line in my book that says this book was written by a girl who never ever thought she would get a divorce who got a divorce and what she learned along the way and so that kind of led me on this journey um, of you know sharing perspective on this whole concept of divorce because I actually don't think there's enough conversation Irina you know in the in the world about how to have a good divorce you know you hear about the bitter divorces you hear about all the ugliness but I think ultimately I'd love to help shift societal perception that a good divorce is an attainable outcome. I love it. And I'm reading your book. Are you? <laughs> and it is a great book. I highly recommend to my listeners, Mom's Guide to a Good Divorce. If you're thinking about divorce or if you're going through it, it's a great uh, aid to have alongside of you so you, you don't feel alone. Yeah, yeah and that's the goal, right? It's because it can be a very lonely process, a very yeah. lonely process. And so, and I was actually given a lot of books, Arena, during my my divorce, and I'd open them and I'd close them because they're so dense and thick. And I thought, I can't take all this in right now. So, but it's interesting because the concept of a good divorce was actually introduced to me by my daughter. Mm-hmm. And we were at a CVS. She we got divorced when she was eight. So Grace was, or sorry, she was seven. But at age eight, we were at a CVS standing in line and there was a, a People magazine cover, you know, on the, on the newsstand right by the checkout. And there was a celebrity couple that was um, getting divorced. And she looked at me, she goes, mommy, is that a good divorce or a bad divorce? <laughs> and I said, Grace, I don't know. What's the difference between a good divorce and a bad divorce? She goes, well, a good divorce is when the mommy and daddy are nice to each other like you and daddy. A bad divorce is when the mommy and daddy scream and yell at each other. And so I mean, I walked out of that CVS that day and I thought whatever we were doing, we were only a year into it in fairness, but thought whatever we were doing, you know, Grace could actually call it and categorize it as a good divorce. So I thought, well, there's something, <laughs> there's something we're doing well in this, 
process and we should continue doing it. And so, you know, and I think a good divorce means that a couple puts aside their personal feelings for one another and focuses on what's best for their children. And that's really just the fundamental principle of, of what a good divorce is. Yeah, totally. Keeping the goal in mind, the focus. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to kick your butt. No, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of emotion, right? There's so much emotion in divorce. But when it comes to your children and what's best for them, you know, it's, it's interesting as parents, when we bring our children into the world, we make a commitment to them, you know, that we're going to raise them in the healthiest and happiest, you know, environment possible. You know, I, I kind of I joke that we cover the plugs and we put bike helmets on them. And we feed them organic milk. We do all these things that we think are going to make them super healthy. Um, but then when you go through a divorce, you put them potentially in a very toxic environment. And the longer they talk, they stay in the toxic environment, the more impact it has on them, you know, and, and on their views of relationships and their views of marriage on their overall, you know, happiness in terms of how they feel about themselves. So I just think we as parents, you know, when we decide to go through this life change for whatever reason it is, and there's obviously reasons to do it, but we really have to think about the impact that that's having on our children. Totally. And in the book, you mentioned, you know, mitigating the gaps. Do you want to speak to that effect a little bit? Yes, yes. So, yeah, minimizing the gaps. So here's, here's an interesting um, revelation, I guess, a reflection I had during our, our process. Um, one of the things that happens in divorce is generally you're, someone's moving out of the house or, or you're moving to different houses or there's an environmental change that's happening for your children. In our situation, Grace and I were going to stay in the home that we were living in during our marriage. And my ex-husband was moving to another home. And, but our house had a lot of family pictures and I had this, we had this long wall of black and white family photos from both of our sides of the family that were all interspersed together. And I decided, well, I needed to give my ex-husband his family photos. So I took the time to uh, figure out what other photos I'd wanna put up on the wall and I got the frames. And so one day uh, I sent Grace down the street for a play date because at age seven, that's what you do. And so I sent her down the street and I took the, pictures of my ex-husband and his family and put them in a box. And then I put all these other photos up and then Grace came home a couple hours later and I was in the kitchen and I heard, I heard Grace from the, the hallway. She goes, Hey mom. And I go, what's that? Grace? She goes, the wall has changed. And I, I stopped in my tracks and I said, well, what's changed? She said, there are more pictures of me up there. It looks great. And she ran upstairs to her room and I thought, and I just took this deep breath and I thought, Okay. And now here's the thing, Irina, if I had not taken the time to put other photos up there and all I'd done is taken the photos down of my ex-husband's family and, and his photos, put them in a box and give them to him and left those little hangers, you know, interspersed on that wall. Mm -hmm. I can almost predict that years later, Grace would be having a conversation with a friend or a therapist or whoever it is to say, you know, my parents got a divorce. My mom took all the pictures of my dad and his family off the wall. She left those little hangers. Right. I mean, I, I, it's, I said, it's, but it's, it's so these little details, they, they notice, I guess the point is they notice everything. So when you're, when you are having to change their environment, what can you do when you are staying in the same home to maybe minimize those gaps and have it feel like things are being pulled apart because their world is already changing so much, but when the physical environment also is being pulled apart, it can feel even it's just more accentuated in terms of all the change that's happening in their lives. But I thought the fact that she noticed that wall was, it blew me away. 
The goal is in the details. Yeah, it is. Sometimes we skim things over. We don't notice. We're just rushing. We have right. bills to pay. We've got to run. Absolutely. Yeah, we're rushing along and we're, we're wanting to get through it, right? We are wanting to get through it as quickly as possible, which again, I completely appreciate that's our collective goal when it's something as intense as a divorce process. But we have to realize that our children are literally watching everything we do, everything we say, you know, the environment they're in, they're just, they're highly attuned at that stage because they know things are changing and they're trying to figure out what's going to be stable in my life, given all this change that's going on around me. Yeah, yeah, so, so true. Another point that you mentioned is being a, preparing for uh, being a professional traveler. Yes, yeah, actually one of my favorite, one of my favorite, well, I shouldn't say favorite because it was a hard moment for me. But one of the most poignant moments during our, the early stages of our discussions of divorce is uh, we actually took Grace to a child specialist that specialized in divorce to help her think through things. But before the specialist met with Grace, she met, he met with my ex-husband and myself and he sat us down and his first question to us, he looked at me and said, Sarah, do you travel? I said, actually, I travel internationally for my job quite often. And he nodded and then he looked at my ex-husband and he said, do you travel? And my ex-husband said, yes, I travel domestically. He said, well, Grace is about to become a professional traveler for the next 11 years of her life. She's going to travel every week back and forth between your two homes. And I burst into tears. Burst into tears. Because that wasn't what I wanted for her life. That wasn't what, you know, I imagined for her life. And he said, she's going to have to pack a bag. And, and I thought, oh. so coming out of that discussion, uh, my ex-husband and I talked. I just said, look, we need to minimize everything around that that dynamic of her feeling like she's traveling every week so you know and some of this has some socioeconomic considerations but as you know i said let's get the basics of both homes so she doesn't have to worry you know about the pair of jeans or the the shorts or the t-shirts like let's get as many of the basics we're just going to buy two and just put them in both homes so that when she walks out the door she's leaving with her backpack for school but she's not also carrying another bag like as much as we could do. Now that's sometimes, and I know when you have sports and musical instruments and, you know, Grace was a golfer, so she had this big golf bag and we we're only getting her one of those. So there's things that had to travel back and forth, but wherever we could do, whatever we could do to minimize kind of the basics going back and forth, we felt would help minimize that feeling of being a professional traveler. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I can reflect back, Grace actually is now 19. So we've, we've been divorced 12 years. So I can look back on, on the, the period of time. And I can say that that I think made it a big difference for her um, to not have to feel like she was packing that bag every day. Um, but I can also say a reflection she shared with me as she was heading off to college, she, um, she was getting ready and she was figuring out what she wanted to take to, to school. And she goes, mom, I'm calling this the great consolidation. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, it'll be the first time in 12 years that all my stuff is in the same place. And I, I looked at her, I said, you know what, Grace? And she, by the way, in her entire childhood, she never once complained, never once complained about going back and forth, never once, you know. And so I said to her, you know what, Grace? I'm so happy that you're gonna be able to have all of your things in one place, you deserve that. And uh, so it was just an interesting reflection for her again, 12 years after really, you know, heading into young adulthood that she, she could reflect on that, but she didn't say it in a, you know, it wasn't a, she wasn't blaming, it wasn't a blame, it was just a reflection on kind of the reality of her life. 
Um, but so, yeah, so I think that prepare the professional traveler is a, a big one that uh, we really had to reflect on as we thought about the dynamic we were wanting to help Grace manage throughout time. And the other interesting thing, I mean, is, is things would get unbalanced, like there were too many socks at one house, whatever the case was. We, uh, I always said to my ex-husband, that's not for Grace to worry about. One of us has to go through and figure out, does she have the right stuff here? Because again, she's having to look, we're not living across two homes. She is. Right. And, you know, there'd be a morning where she would come down and say, mom, my dress shoes are at dad's. And, 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 you know, it's right before you're supposed to be leaving for that thing. And instead of, you know, getting upset about it, I have to stop and think, first of all, that's not her problem. That's, it's not her fault. She's living across two homes. So I take a deep breath and go, well, let's go to dad's house. Let's go get those dress shoes. And so it was just, a, again, just realizing that your children are not the ones that chose to be in the situation but sometimes they're put in a situation where it feels like they should be handling this, you know, as a child. And I'm like, no, no, that's for us as their parents to help them through that because it was our decision to, to put them in this position in the first place in terms of a two home uh, situation living across two homes. Right, yeah, it's totally like you're thinking of the kid and not, <laughs> we have yeah. to worry about those things. Did you do anything to manage the schedule like, did you keep a calendar? Great question. Yes, actually, yes. We kept we kept a Google calendar that um, that my ex-husband, myself, Grace, and our nanny could all see. And it said where Grace was, you know, in any activities, anything. If, if my ex-husband and I were going to be out of town, it showed our collective schedules. And we really found that that was helpful. It just provided the transparency. It was on the home computer on our, on, on our kitchen counter that she could pop open and if she needed to see anything. But it was definitely a key part of us managing the the back and forth between the two homes so yes the calendar was important you know I also think communication you know it again every door situation is different and every uh dynamic between a, a couple of those gotten divorced can be very different in terms of how much they are able and willing to communicate with each other but um, what we generally did is I would keep kind of a running list of things I might want to discuss with my ex-husband and then we'd find a time and just run through them quickly versus talking to each other or pinging each other constantly every day. If, if it was a timely thing, obviously we would, we would communicate, but I didn't feel like if, if, again, if we decided to be divorced, we don't need to be in everyone, each other's day-to-day -day lives all the time. Uh, that's, you know, why we've gotten a divorce. So I think it was a matter of how do you manage um, the ongoing communication of co-parenting, you know, this, your children, um, but without it being um, such a minute by minute, day by day thing. And so how do you put that structure on the communication with something that we also tried to be conscious of? What would you say was the most overwhelming uh, part in your divorce or after divorce? Yeah, you know, I think the most overwhelming, I think the hardest part, uh, I would say are the holidays for me uh, personally. I think the emotion of, so we alternated holidays and um, what I realized is the holidays that I didn't have grace, it was hard for me to be around the other children. So I have nieces and nephews, like, and I would, you know, if I would go to Christmas with everyone, but grace wasn't there, I was like, well, this, something's really off. This doesn't feel good. So I decided to really change the way I approached holidays. So the holidays I was with grace, we would be in family settings and the holidays I wasn't with grace, I would go away um, with my uh, significant other and we would go off and do something but I didn't put myself in those situations where it was so apparent that she was not there and so that was something and that was probably for me emotionally the hardest part of uh, the dynamic um, 
you know, that first, that first, that first Thanksgiving was not fun. And I realized, okay, wait, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> so uh, that's the thing that, that year first, you know, the first year after divorce, you have a lot of things that you go through first birthdays, you know, you know, first holidays, first school plays, first sporting, you know, all these things. And you have to figure out what works, you know, from those years, that, that year first. And what are the things you say, you know what, I did it once, but I'm, I'm not doing that again. That, that didn't work for me or that didn't work for my children. And so I think it's a matter of being very um, open to the fact that you're doing the best you can that first year, but you can make improvements, you know, year on year over the course of time to make it better and to make it work for you. And sometimes it feels um, really hard that first year. I, I, I use the term that you, you're almost in a divorce hangover that first year, you know, literally you're recovering from a divorce hangover. And so what can you do in that year first to kind of get through it and get out of the fog of the divorce and get into a clear view of what you want your life to look like and your children's lives to look like post-divorce. But you also have to give yourself the time and the space to heal and to appreciate that this is a big shift for everyone. So there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of dynamics we have to process and work through that, that first year. I saw it resonate with the fact, you know, being in the fog. Yes. <laughs> I was myself there and I wish I was like, I could have a time machine and I could go meet my future self to decide yes. what's the right step to take. Yes. And we don't know again, because none of us grew up saying, oh, I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm preparing my life to get divorced. Right. This isn't something we prepare for. You don't, you don't make this a plan, right? This is not part of the plan. So I think the hard part is as you go through it, and that's why I felt so strongly once I was encouraged to do so, to write down kind of the, the things to think through when you go through it, because there is so much to think about. And you are in a, you're in a bit of a fog. There's so much coming at you. And you're just putting one step in front of the other, right, in, in those days. And um, so I think being able to um, also look ahead in terms of the life that you want to create and knowing that that will happen eventually. You know, it's going to take some time. You have to give yourself patience and know that um, this change will take time to get to that stage. Um, but yes, I think fast forwarding and knowing that there's a positive side to life after divorce. And that's what I really want to build a belief in society that that is the case. But you do have to kind of handle things in a certain way for, that to, for there to be that positive side, right? For there to be the potential for that. And uh, one of the moments that actually struck me during my divorce about that dynamic is we were at a parent-teacher conference um, with Grace when she was in sixth grade. So we had been divorced five years. And this parent-teacher conference, Grace attended with my ex-husband and I. So we were there with her teacher and it's an hour long conference. And at the end of it, the teacher stops and she says, are you two divorced? And I stopped, I looked at her and said, yes, actually we've been divorced for five years since Grace was in first grade. She said, I had no idea. And I looked at her, I said, what well, didn't occur to me to tell you? Like, I'd like to come and say, we're divorced. We just want you to know we're divorced. And she said, you know what? It is amazing how rare it is to have two parents have the ability to come into this office and sit down with me for an hour and talk about how their child is performing in school. She said, it is very, very rare. She goes, and it makes me really sad. And I said, that makes me really sad too, because what's more important to two parents than their child and how that child is doing, you know, in school on a day-to-day -day basis? And what signals it's showing to your children that you can't even go and sit and have that conversation about them for an hour? So those are the moments, you know, post-divorce, it's like reflect on 
how do you, you know, your, your children deserve for you to both be there. They deserve for both of their parents to be at sporting events, you know, or at the school play or whatever the case is. And so, you know, how can you set aside those emotions as I talk about, which I know is really, really hard and say, this is what's best for our children. And, you know, so that's, again, one of those things, but it is post the fog, <laughs> um, you know, how do you really get into some semblance of understanding of what's important relative to your children and put that as the priority? Totally. I totally get it where yeah. he's coming from. <laughs> Another point you mentioned in the book is also mom building your compartmentalization muscle. I know yes. women, yes. we always think about gazillion other things that are going on. Yes, <laughs> no, it's a great one. It's a great one, Irina. That that point actually builds off of what I just talked about. It's um, we always talk. I do Pilates, so I, people talk about building a strong core, right? A strong core muscle. And I actually think one of the most important muscles we as humans can build is a compartmentalization muscle, because there are times when you there are times when you need to let your emotions roll and 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 feel those emotions, and there's times when you need to actually compartmentalize them and allow, which allows you to go through that birthday party where your ex-husband is there or whatever the moment is. And, you know, reacting to things in a way that your children, again, are gonna reflect on for years to come in terms of how you were handling things. And so the building of compartmentalization muscle is about practicing that ability to say, you know what, this is a moment when I'm not gonna react in the moment. And I, I know I probably have emotions around this and I'll, I will deal with them, but right now I need to show my children that what's most important is getting through this moment in a, as positive a, positive a manner as possible. And that can be really hard. It, it does literally take building a muscle because it's, it's about a strength inside um, that many of us may not have had um, the need for or just didn't know that we needed it um, in these instances if we're going to protect our children from all that they see or hear or experience either leading up to, during, or post-divorce. It can be in any of those phases. And so I just feel very strongly that it's something we need to consciously think about and make sure that we um, reflect on how we're compartmentalizing and when we need to, and then when we don't, that's fine. Um, but it is, I think it's an important, important concept to reflect on. Totally. How do you quiet the monkey brain? Exactly, exactly. And you know what, you can have lots of conversations with yourself, right, about what you're experiencing. It's just a matter of how many of those emotions you are actually showing, you know, on an ongoing basis to your children. And then speaking mostly about your children, I mean, you can show those emotions to your friends, your family, you know, whoever you are, whoever your support network is, they should see all those emotions. It's really about when your children are, are in your presence, what are they seeing? What are they experiencing? Because if you're a divorced mom and all you do is go look at the past and you lament the past and you, you know, it's like you're pulling everyone yourself and your kids back into that toxicity, you know, versus looking forward and saying, let's look ahead. What are, what are the new traditions we're going to create? What are the new things we're going to do as this new normal of a family? Like, so it is literally, but it's hard. I completely, and by the way, this is easier said than done. I realize that. And there are moments when you can quickly be triggered and it'll take you back really quickly. And it's just a matter of when those moments happen, you know, where are your children? Are they in earshot or <laughs> in eye view? And what are you showing them about looking forward versus looking back? 
I totally resonate with that. That's what I teach other women as well yeah. to yes. concentrate on the present, unless you have a time machine and you can go back and change the past. Right. That's a great <laughs> way of putting it, Irina. Every time you think about it, we bring it all back into the present moment because for our brain, it doesn't matter if something happened in the past, it's happening now or in the future. The same parts of our brain light up whenever we're feeling and experiencing those thoughts and emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do think, I think you're, it's a great point. Just being both living in the present for now is sometimes the best thing you can do. And then being present for your children, because there can also be, there's, there's a lot of distraction going on, you know, during a divorce. And, and there can be moments where even though your children are so important to you, you have so many things going, you're kind of forgetting, gosh, they're actually the most important thing right now. And I need to make sure they're getting what they need from me. And, and you can be pulled in so many different directions that even the being present part could be really hard. Yeah. What do you think is the most important trait to instill in a child? Oh gosh, I think an understanding that you and your ex-spouse love them unconditionally regardless of if you're living under the same roof or not, and that they know that they're your priority. And so it's really just kind of the belief and the understanding of, of how special they are to you, um, because that belief and understanding then can build over the years as you continue to show them, even again, in a divorce situation, that you're both there, you know, and you're both there for them. And there now there are instances, Irina, where one of the parents is not present. And I just want to acknowledge that, where there's a situation where they're they're not there. Then it's up to the parent that is there to be like, I'm here, I'm I'm your anchor and I'm your rock. And um, so, but I think that it is a matter of just them understanding that that is so foundational and it allows them to have then the confidence to kind of move forward in life and not be again looking back and, and replaying everything. So it's about looking forward. Hey, Serena, jumping back here real quick. In a single moment, your whole life can change. Will you choose to fight it or invite it? Sacred Surrender is a new book I recently co-authored. What does surrender mean for you? Do you believe that you came here on purpose? Do you believe that you are here to be part of something bigger? To remember the path that leads to your divinity, wholeness, and destiny? May these stories remind you that life is always happening for you. If you like to get your copy and read my story, check out the link in episode notes. What makes you happy? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think actually a lot of things make me happy. I, I'm a pretty optimistic person by nature, um, but I'd say some of the special moments. So uh, the special moments I have with grace in life um, the travel we've done together, I'm, I have wanderlusts and I love to travel. So, um, and I think spending time with people that are special to me and, you know, just uh, spending that quality time. But I'm also someone that loves just the small moments in life of just going for a long walk and just reflecting. So I, I have a lot of happy moments and I'm really fortunate that way. But I think it's because for me, it is about those little moments in life. Um, that really kind of build up into just a really happy existence. So, um, but, uh, you know, now that it's interesting, now that Grace is off to school, you know, she's, she's off to college. And so it's a different stage of life than being that 
single working mom, you know, the juggling act of that. And so I'm kind of heading into a new phase of life now, but um, I'm realizing, you know, the the things that I miss from that, that phase, but also creating this next phase in terms of what makes me happy. So I'm in, I'm in kind of one of those transition phases in life, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Good, good. I also love to travel. Yes. Best gift. I think it's the best gift we can give ourselves and our children. You get yes. to learn about the culture and see the world and absolutely it's the it is truly it's the it's the gift that keeps on giving for a lifetime yeah what uh, kind of advice can you give to present single parents who are just stepping on the journey of becoming a single parent yes no it's a great question i think that um be patient with yourself in terms of what this takes because it is a new way of living when you're trying to balance all the things that come with being a single parent, you know, and so whether it's how you're approaching your career, as well as your children and how all those things now work together, it's going to be different, you know, and so I I always said, you know, each year post divorce as you go into that single parent approach. You're going to figure out the things again that work well for you and then reflect on them and go, okay, that works in this new operating model of life. And there's things that don't, there's things that don't. And you say, okay, I, I you know, I used to travel, speaking of travel, I used to take, you know, two week work trips. Like I go away for two weeks internationally because it was easier than, you know, going and, you know, so, but that's, that wasn't something I could do once I had Grace and I was a single working parent that wasn't, you know, going to, going to work. And so I think that adjusting you know, what your expectations are of what you can do, but not to where it's not, things aren't possible. You just have to make tweaks, you know, to maybe what you were doing before. So I think that would be one of the, the important points in terms of thinking about what your day-to-day operating model looks like. Totally, yeah. It all goes back to you mentioning, you know, minimizing the gaps. Yes. <laughs> and keeping the changes to a minimum, trying yes. to create the same environment they were accustomed to. Yes. And as much as possible. Not as everything, as possible. but as right. much as in, is in your ability to do Right. So. Yeah. Some things we can t- control, Irina, and some things we can't control. So the things we can control, we can reflect on what, what those things, you know, again, what those things um, look like in a single parenting situation. And those things you can't control, you have to reflect on, okay, I can't control that. And then think of, allow yourself a moment of reflection of then, am I going to allow that to get to me? Or is that where your compartmentalization muscle comes and you say, I just need to put that aside because I can't control it, you know? So it is what it is and let's move on versus lamenting that thing that you can't control. Yeah, the only thing we can control is our thoughts. Absolutely. Inside. Inside, <laughs> right. Our own thoughts, right? It's literally about the only, you're right. It's about the only thing we can control. It's a great, great point. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. If people would love to find you, you find your book, where would they go? Yes. Great question. Thank you. So um, I have a website. It's um, www.gooddivorce.guide. And um, that has all the information about my book. Um, The book itself is, it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It is actually available in a paperback um, format as well as Kindle Nook and iBook. And I actually went into the studio during the pandemic and uh, did an audible version. So it's also available on audible because, you know, depending on the situation, you may not want this book sitting on your coffee table or on your bedside table, but you could listen to it on a long walk. And one thing I probably want to mention, Irina, if that's okay, is, the book is broken into 
um, three phases, preparing for the change, during the change, and post the change. And it also has, there, it's broken into bite-sized pieces of, of guidance. So basically a topic per page. There's about 185 plus topics in the book, but you can just go in and pick the topic that you're wanting to reflect on. And then you can set it aside. It's not meant to be a book that you read cover to cover uh, because it depends on where you are in your process, but it's meant to be a book that's there for you when you need it. And when you need that moment of, gosh, I'm trying to think through how to handle this specific topic or situation. And uh, I actually, right after I wrote my book, I did a, a book launch at Barnes and Noble. And a couple of weeks later, I was in the grocery store in the produce section and this woman stopped me. And she said, are you Sarah Armstrong, the author? And I had to stop and I thought to myself, I go, actually, I am. <laughs> I, you know, because again, I, I don't fashion myself a writer and the whole concept of being an author was a new concept. And uh, she said, well, I was at your Barnes and Noble book signing and I really want to thank you for writing this book. I'm going through a divorce and I carried around with me everywhere and it's keeping me calm. And she said, so thank you for writing it. And so she walked away and Irene, I stood in the produce section and looked at this woman that I did not know, walk away from me. And I thought, that's why I wrote this book, to help a woman that I don't know, to, you know, uh, hopefully make it through what's a really challenging time in life. And if that's helping her to stay calm, then that's, you know, that's why, that's why the book is out there in the world. I love it. I think those are the precious moments when you get to see this transformation or that you help somebody that you don't even know. Absolutely. Like I didn't just write it in vain. There is people there who it's helping. Nothing. And it's it's unbelievable. If you yeah. could summarize the book in three steps, like what are three most important uh, pieces in the book, would you say? I know there are 185. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's interesting. Besides, <laughs> it's funny. But within the 185, <laughs> where, where would you start? Where would you start? Um, well, I think the ones that we covered, those, those big three um, of the uh, minimizing the gaps, prepare the professional traveler, and um, develop your compartmentalizer are probably my, my big three. And I think they're pretty unique insights into um, what's out there. I think the other, there's a couple others that I could mention is just your mindset is essential. And being conscious as you're preparing for this divorce, then as you go through it, and then after your divorce, how important your mindset is. It goes exactly to the point you made about the only thing we can control are our thoughts, right? Our mindset is within our control. And it can be very emotionally charged, right? But it is so important for us to keep that mindset, you know, in view in terms of how we're approaching things because it sets the tone for everything. Um, the other thing that I would say is a really important concept or, or thing to take away is the importance of a, of a co-parenting plan. And we didn't really speak about that. So that's writing down all the decisions that you and your ex-spouse are going to make about your children's lives from the time you get divorced to the time they're young adults, 18 plus. And the reason that's so important is that allows you to, you know, jointly decide what you think is best for them. And then it's documented as part of the, your legal documentation. And you can go back to it if there's ever any debates. And so it is a really important, it can, it can feel tactical um, in terms of a, a piece of guidance, but it is so foundational for putting you both on the same page of what you think is important um, to the to the management of your children's lives, quite honestly, for, for the time that you need to when it's across these two households. So I think that's a really important one. And then I think probably another one that's just a reflection is 
um, the importance of self-care for you as a parent going through this, because if we aren't healthy, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, it is very hard for us to parent our children in a healthy and happy environment. And so a lot of the things that I think happen, especially for moms, I can say that, I say this with love to all of us, <laughs> is that we're usually the last ones, we, we put ourselves last, right? We, we take care of everyone else and we're like, oh yes, then, okay, what do I need? And I think during this time, we really need to figure out what are those things that allow you to feel like you're taking care of yourself. And whether it's a long walk, whether it's getting a massage, whether it's going to therapy, whether it's going to a dinner with a friend, like whatever, taking a trip, like whatever it is that is for you, we shouldn't feel guilty for, for taking the time to do those things because it, we, it literally fills our energy and our ability to, to take on that next day as a single parent. And so, you know, creating the space in, in our days and weeks to have those moments and not feel guilty about it, I think is part of it. And so really prioritizing self-care would probably be one of the third things I'd, I'd highlight. I totally get you without the self-care. Oftentimes, and I was growing up in a society where once you have kids, you have to forget about yourself and you have to take care of your children. So yeah. that was one of the things I kind of introduced uh, in my post recovery that you know self-care is not selfish it's actually selfless <laughs> it's, yes it's good yeah. for you <laughs> it is it's, it's about being healthy yeah but there are any new habits that you introduced during your post-divorce journey that you didn't have before oh good question um i think new habits you know i think probably the one that i do even more <laughs> is uh, I walk a lot and I, I process a lot when I walk. And so I started walking and, but I think post-divorce, it became even more important for me to create that time and space for those walks. Cause that's when I was not with grace and I could process emotions and thoughts and, you know, think through all that was happening. And so I felt that was very therapeutic for me. And now it's so foundational to my day to day. And I do think it was probably something I probably underestimate now looking back and how much those walks were, were helping me to heal. Yeah. They were helping me to heal. And so I would put those running shoes on and I'd walk out the door and, you know, I, I processed a lot and I do think it was a healing process. Yeah. It's actually was for me as well. Was walking, it? walking. Yes. <laughs> I never done it before, but after divorce, this was actually my first step of my recovery, just taking a simple walk because you yes. not only exercising your body but you're also clearing your head absolutely you set the intention for the day and you you feel so much better you become a better human and you're not as yes. reactive you're more responsive as opposed to being reactive to things in your life absolutely i truly believe it's therapeutic i think walks are therapeutic and, and again it's just about car carving that space out and saying i'm, I'm going for a walk <laughs> And then, you know, I know, again, with young kids and again, moms have a lot of things and things are pulling at our time, but we, we need to create that space for ourselves. We absolutely do. It's so foundational and fundamental to our overall mental, physical and emotional health. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with you. Yes. What do you want to be remembered by? Oh, gosh, that's, that's an amazing question. Um, you know, I want to be remembered for helping people think through uh, this really challenging time in life. Um, but I also have a goal of helping individuals thinking through how they kind of uh, 
manage their own, their overall lives. I look forward to down the road um, doing some executive coaching and things like that um, because I, I think that's why I'm here <laughs> is to help people think through things, um, whether it's through going through divorce. I'm actually in the process of writing my second book called The Working Mom's Guide to the Juggling Act, which is about how working moms are, are juggling a lot of things. Um, and then I think it's just about helping people to think through life would be probably the, 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 the long-winded way of saying the shorthand, which I, I do think that's what I'm, I'm here to do. I love it. And congratulations on your second book. Well, it's still it's still in progress, <laughs> but it'll be out in the world at some point. And I'm looking forward to it because I, I see that as something I've lived through. And I see the day to day of so many women out there trying to, you know, achieve all that we want to achieve personally and professionally. And, and it is a juggling act. And so I'm looking forward to sharing some reflections um, from that from that journey as well. Thank you. I think it's incredible. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing sure. your wisdom. I love your book. I think it's a great component to divorce, to um, get a good divorce as opposed to yeah. a mediocre one or a yeah. bad one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Irina. It's so great to be with you. Thank you for having me on your show. If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset, and Support for Relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you because you are limitless.